Welcome to Social Distance Warriors, which is a podcast about the pandemic and things that are somewhat related to the pandemic. Um, the date is September 25th in the year 2021, and my name happens to be Tom, but I do not happen to be an expert about the pandemic. Yeah, uh, my name is Rhett, and I'm also not an expert on the pandemic, but it was just my birthday, so I am an expert on being 27. Happy birthday. Thank you. That's that's, that's nice. Did you do anything fun for your birthday? Uh, yeah, um, I went apple picking with my friends, and I um, drove many hundreds of miles uh, to go visit my family. Nice. And we celebrated. How long of a drive is that? Um, so here's the thing. If you type in like the distance in Google Maps, it's a four and a half hour drive. If you're me and you're doing the drive, it is over six and a half hours because Ooh. of how it is when I am trying to do a long driving trip. It is not my favorite thing to do. And more than, I guess, the distance itself, my struggle is I just sort of lose the will to go on partway through after a couple hours of driving. And uh, it takes me a while, but I made it. Do you slow down or do you like stop at places? I sort of go for a couple hours and then I'll like stop and then I'll once I make like my first stop to like go to a rest stop or get something to eat, then the time between when I make my next stop just gets shorter and shorter. Mm. <laughs> and I'll go like a half hour and then I'll stop and then I'll just <laughs> anyway, it's not my favorite thing, but it is in America one of the like ways you get places that we do to ourselves, which is like, yeah, you have a car. That's going to be the way you'll get across many miles in this big country. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever driven that far, honestly. I don't, as you can tell, I <laughs> it's not my favorite thing. Yeah. Some people really seem to enjoy long car trips, but I much prefer a train myself. But I was um, bringing stuff in the car, so that's why I did it. Nice. How was the return journey? Same same uh, situation or easier, <laughs> harder? Yeah, same situation. Um, but I'm trying to uh, not, like if I tell myself you need to try and be aiming for doing this in four and a half hours, even though you've never in your life <laughs> been able to do that the way you drive and be really upset with yourself when you don't do it in that time. Instead, I am trying to, yeah, it's going to take you at least six and a half hours to do this. Why don't you plan for that? Mm. Um, so it went all right. Anyway, have you been any places uh, since we last recorded? Since we last recorded, have I been any places? Any, any places. Hmm. Well, I've been in my apartment. <laughs> yeah. Um, have I have I done any significant amount of place going? I don't... When did we last record? Who can say? It, was on my calendar, which is not not present in front of me. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, I think that I have been... I don't think we've recorded since Labor Day. Have we recorded since Labor Day? Sure. No. <laughs> Let's say no. <laughs> oh, we did. We actually recorded after Labor Day. Because on Labor Day, I, I drove to New Hampshire to purchase an iPad. But that was only like an hour and a half. So that was what I consider a long drive because I think there is a thing for people who grew up in Rhode Island, which is the smallest state in the United States of America, where we are not very inclined to go on long drives. And if a place mm -hmm. is longer than half an hour away, most of us will just think, all right, well, I just won't go. <laughs> 
Well, yeah, that's not the response <laughs> for uh, around where I grew up. Long, long car trips are the norm. I think I've broken out of it a little bit. And I think the thing that initially broke me out of it was uh, back in 2019, when I left my previous employer, I was still living in the Providence area. I was living in Johnston, Rhode Island, and I was commuting into Boston, Massachusetts, which was a, it was basically a two hour commute all told because the train ride itself was an hour and 10 minutes, but you know, then you needed to make sure you get there on time for the train. So I had to drive to the train, plan to get there at least like 10 minutes early so that I don't miss it. And then, you know, walk from the train to my office. So it was a commute that all, all told took about two hours. And um, so I, I think I became, I don't know, it, it, it activated a certain level of willingness for me to travel slightly longer distances. Uh, yeah. But I, I am, and you know, I've driven, I've driven back and forth to New York City a couple of times because I have friends that live there and my sister lives there. Um, and that tends to take, I don't know, four hours at most, unless the traffic is very bad, in which case, um, but I usually plan around traffic so that I, I'm not driving when the traffic is at its worst. So, but I haven't done that recently. Two hour commute is like, that's throwing yourself, I feel like, into a just a really on the long end for commutes. Yeah. And it was a very different um, experience from my previous job where I had a 10 minute commute. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Uh, I lived a 10 minute drive from where I worked. And then I was all of a sudden doing about a two hour commute, which was very different. But now I have more of a no commute <laughs> because I mostly work from home. And when I do go into the office, which I haven't done in the past week, but uh, when I do go into the office, it's more of an hour, hour long experience. This is nothing. But when you said Rhode Island is the smallest state in the US, I immediately thought, but does it have the biggest heart? Mm, Would you say Rhode Island has the biggest heart? Probably not. No. Sad. No, I mean, it has a dense population. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that means it's got the biggest heart. Yeah, I don't know which state has the biggest heart. Do you have any thoughts on state hearts? State hearts. No, I am I am pretty fond of Pittsburgh right now. Oh. I think I think they have a strong <laughs> city heart, but I don't know. I don't know where in the city you find Pittsburgh's heart. Maybe in one of the Rivers. I will say that even even though I don't think Rhode Island has the strongest heart of all states, I do have an affection for it, and I do kind of miss it because I no longer live there. It's not that I live very far from it. I could I could get in my car and be in Rhode Island in about an hour, and in fact, I did last night. Last night, oh yeah, that's a place I went last night. I I drove an hour to go to my parents' house, the house where I grew up in Rhode mm -hmm. Island, which is something I do. Usually about once a week, maybe sometimes more like once every two weeks. But I'd like to go home and have dinner with the parents pretty often. Yeah. One thing I've been finding myself kind of being reflective on lately is that I have been living now in this new place long enough to feel a little bit like a different person from the rat who first moved in mm. three months ago. It's not been a whole long time but it's been long enough that like things I'll find in my room and it's like oh I forgot I put that there or you know that kind of stuff it's like oh I forgot about this parking ticket <laughs> a parking ticket that's <laughs> yeah whereas it was like I don't know yeah when you're like new at a place and you're like very hyper aware of everything and everything you're seeing now it's been long enough that it's like oh yeah it's been long enough that I sort of like forget where stuff has been and what I was doing then and have new routines. Do you feel like you've changed so much as a person that you can contest that parking ticket on the basis of 
Well, you know, this the rat to whom this ticket was assigned no longer exists. That person is dead. And I stand before you today, a transformed <laughs> rat who has never um, perpetrated a parking infraction in his entire life. Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> <laughs> one of the parking tickets, I think I can make a case for that. Um, the other one is from this week. Oh, so okay. I don't I don't think I can. <laughs> Yeah. One of my least favorite aspects of uh, Pittsburgh living is like, I'm just constantly getting parking tickets. And mostly I've been able to like, sometimes I get them for like, no apparent reason. And I am able to like contest them. But sometimes they do stick. (laughs) And Mm. well, that's city living, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, that's just an expense that you have to deal with. Yeah. Oh, speaking of... um my, I mentioned before that I go home occasionally to have dinner with my parents. On one of those occasions recently, I came out to my parents as asexual. Oh, nice. Yeah, this is something that I have known about myself for some time, but hadn't spoken with them about because, I don't know, my parents just don't like to have conversations about things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my mother, at least, will listen to this show, so she will hear me judging her. But <laughs> when I was sitting with them, my father had a baseball game on, and I, I, I said hey, can you mute the game for a sec? I got something I want to tell you about. And my mother said, oh boy, in kind of like a sarcastic way to be like, oh no, what's this going to be? Which is, I don't know, it's kind of representative of a tendency that I uh, that she and honestly both my parents and kind of everyone in my family, but um, mm-hmm. but but in that moment, uh, she has to like deflect away from the notion of, that w- we might have a serious conversation about a thing because that could be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, the drama. Yeah, yeah. And I, I anyway, it, it was not. It was not like a problem. It was not like a big thing. But it is something that I felt like I needed to do because uh, I don't know. It's just something that I don't intend for it to be a secret. So I don't want. I don't want people not to know it. Yeah, that is nice. I get like that. That's that's a conversation you no longer have to have <laughs> for the first time. You know, it's something you have put out there. Were you planning? Like, was this a like you had planned and intended to do that, or sort of more spur of the moment? Um, it was something that had been kind of weighing on me for the past few, like I'd say, two months or so. I was like a kind of question that someone asked me about it was like, "Well, what is it you want to get out of that experience of mm-hmm. of telling mm-hmm. your parents? What does you want to get back from them?" And the answer to, for me was nothing. Like, I, I actually don't have anything that I particularly need, and I understand that some people, some people do. I don't. I just preferred for their sake not for them to find out when I just mentioned it offhand in a tweet. I felt like they uh, should hear about it from me. So because of that, I have been more tight-lipped than I would otherwise have been. And so it was just something that I felt like, all right, I just need to get this out of the way. But I I had come home with the thought that, all right, maybe this will be the day that we have that conversation. And I don't know, I was just kind of anxious about it because I get anxious about things. Uh, But there there came a point where I was like, all right, well, it's time to rip this bandaid off. So pause the game. (laughs) I was sitting there while the game was playing, not saying anything, uh, doing a Sudoku on my iPad. And I was like stewing in my brain about like, is this going to happen now or is it not going to happen? And where where I eventually kind of came, came it with like there's no there's no real benefit in it not happening now because it is something that has to happen and it's like it's not like it will be better it's not like the time isn't right it's not like like i need to strike when the iron is hot and the iron is not hot now but it will be hot in the future uh it was just for me uh i just felt like you know there was no benefit in in not doing it so i was like well now's as good a time as any and that's what happened nice yeah and 
I know like when I have had those kinds of conversations with um, family members, one thing I don't think about, but is sometimes I wish I would think about afterward is like, did you have like a chance maybe afterward to like, I don't know, do something nice for yourself or like talk to people who it wasn't a like big effort to talk about being asexual with? Did you have, like, a game plan, or do you for... No, not really. ...something after? <laughs> no. I did let my sisters know that I had had that conversation with my parents, so... Yeah. Yeah. God, something... I... My sister really had my back, and it's nice when that happens. Mm. Yeah, I think um, my sisters probably would have had my back if I felt like I, I needed someone to have my back. But mm-hmm. when I was 16, I had major back surgery that implanted <laughs> s- uh, stainless steel rods into my spine. So Whoa. I had you, a re- you, you have the steel back. <laughs> yeah, I have a reinforced back. Nobody needs to have your back. Exactly. That's not I barely going even anywhere. have my own back anymore. It's <laughs> it's it's a creature of its own volition. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that that was a that was a thing that I'm just kind of like glad I took that off the list because I felt like uh, it needed to be ticked off. Yeah, I don't think I've talked about this a lot. I'm also asexual and having a weird one about it hmm. <laughs> in in a way that I don't know if it's like something you may also relate to, but I'm sort of a kind of person who I will be doing all my internal identity processing internally for months to years is when I am doing the like questioning and processing and then only after is when I like do any kind of outward (laughs) acknowledgement so it can kind of seem like oh well this is sort of out of nowhere or this is something that I guess rats just not gonna be acknowledging right now check back in another six months Mm. kind of thing which then sort of seems like a gap but yeah um i still feel like asexual is like a good label to describe me but the way i relate to like having a sex drive has changed a lot mostly since being more comfortable with myself and realizing that i was trans so it's like that's not really something that needs an announcement but it is like something (laughs) that because I'm me and I have to live with me is like huh that's interesting to still sort of feel like this is what best describes me but also having from absolutely none to very very little interest or sexual desire to having kind of much more relationship with that is interesting and something I'm still figuring out how to talk about. Yeah, I think I, I also have been largely an internal processor with regard to that stuff. I, I've been con- consistently or re- relatively consistently in therapy for the last, I don't know, two and a half th- years, which has been a benefit there, but also hasn't been like the primary driving force there. And honestly, my therapist is kind of clueless about asexuality, mm-hmm. which is okay with me because that's another area where I don't feel like I need much of anything other than just like someone to occasionally talk about the internal work that I've been doing in that regard. There are other areas in which my my therapist is very helpful to me, but this is not one where I, I right now feel like um, I need much um, external assistance in, in processing. But it can be strange for other people when someone they know is doing all that internal processing and all of a sudden is ready to announce it like a like an Apple keynote where it's like, here's me announcing the new sexual orientation for 2021. Yeah. Or what was what just happened last week, the Nintendo Direct? Uh, like, <laughs> Yeah, it was a couple days ago when they announced yeah. here. Nintendo yeah. is, uh, Mario is now Chris Pratt. <laughs> <laughs> 
and and also asexual or just Chris Pratt? I don't know. I think it's a little confusing as to whether Mario is what's going on with Mario. I don't know. Like I don't I don't think people know what Mario's species is either. Yeah, plumber. Yeah, cause, well, Nintendo has denied that he's a plumber. What? <laughs> yeah, Nintendo has denied that Mario is a plumber. I don't know how to feel about that. Uh, this I don't know what the recent most recent developments are, but they don't like to refer to him as a plumber because simply because like he has many jobs <laughs> and plumbing is only one of those. Mm-hmm. And it's not one of the ones he does most frequently. But I think of him as a plumber. It's kind of like when um, Sanrio, the, the company that makes Hello Kitty, denies that Hello Kitty is a cat. <laughs> uh, are you familiar with that? No. Okay. Yes. Well, they say that uh, Hello Kitty is not a cat. Hello Kitty is just a, like a mascot character. I believe they say Hello Kitty is a preschool age uh, is like a regular preschooler, not a cat, um, where I guess you could take that to imply that they consider Hello Kitty to be human, but they don't think of Hello Kitty as a cat. They just think of Hello Kitty as Hello Kitty. Uh, same thing with actually the the Twitter logo. The Twitter logo is not a bird. Okay. <laughs> if you if you look in Twitter's like branding guideline documentation, and why wouldn't you be looking at that? Then you'll find that you've been advised not to refer to the Twitter logo as a bird. It's the Twitter logo. It's not a bird. It's the Twitter logo. Yeah. Aren't like corporations really fun when they're also <laughs> trying to like describe their cre- creative entities? Isn't that fun? Yeah. Yeah. It's great. I love it. <laughs> I, on, on the like processing things note, I just, I feel like a small, like, maybe I should just go talk to my mom because like five years ago she said, I think you're kind of a late bloomer. And I was like, no. And now I'm like, well, mom, maybe you did have a point, <laughs> mm. uh, but probably not. Probably it's not going to happen, but maybe I'll play my mom this podcast episode and that will be the, hey, maybe you had a point. Yeah, that's um, maybe, but maybe not. I, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe the way of thinking about people in terms of being quote unquote late bloomers is just not a productive way of thinking about people. Yeah. Maybe you'll come to find it helpful to think about yourself, but I don't know. I think the notion that like there is supposed to be a point at which people bloom and then that's it. They've bloomed. I don't think, I don't know that that's necessarily healthy and I don't want to, I don't want to feel like I've ever finished blooming. I want to continuously bloom for the rest of my existence. Mm -hmm. If I live to be 120 years old, then I want to feel like there's still more personal development for me to be doing. Mm-hmm. We are not in a post-bloom Mr. Tom or post-bloom rat. Yeah, and I don't know if this is something that you you encountered, but in, in, the, in the process of coming to understand that I was asexual, which is a process that took about 10 years from when I first started thinking about it to when <laughs> okay. I fir- to when I eventually decided, yeah, that's that's the that's the right word. But if you're kind of refusing to think of yourself in that way, which I was, but you're not engaging with the world in the way that allosexual people, which for the listener is a person who is not asexual is called allosexual. Um, but anyhow, it can feel like you are I mean one of the one of the words that I think people will tend to use to beat themselves up is broken mm-hmm. but another thing is I think specifically with with asexuality is that um, sexuality is so associated in our culture with maturity where it can feel like you are like infantilized and you're like not fully adult unless you're like having a, have a better understanding and a better handle on that part of yourself. And I don't know, for me at least, that was the case for a very long time until I came to understand that actually I have about as much of a handle on that part of myself as I need to have because that part isn't the same for me as it is for all, all of these other people. So um, yeah, it has made it, made it easier for me to feel like I'm a grown, grown up <laughs> <laughs> thinking of myself in that way. But yeah, that is that is that. Yeah. So that's that. <laughs> um, yeah. 
Uh, what what else? I feel like there was another thing I was going to mention about um, things that have happened since last we recorded. Oh, you know what happened since last we recorded? No. Uh, Deltarune, chapter two. Deltarune, chapter two. Yeah. I don't know if we've ever talked about Deltarune on this podcast. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but we can do it now. The way Deltarune chapter two sort of like popped into existence, I feel was worthy of note because this September, I believe, was like the year anniversary since Deltarune chapter two was first released. And you mean chapter one. Yep. Yep. <laughs> chapter one before chapter two. Um, and the way it was announced to the world was like these YouTube video game streamers streamed chapter one with Toby Fox, creator of Undertale and Deltarune, there via text-to-speech, via the little white dog avatar, <laughs> giving, like, game commentary. And then they played through all of chapter one and then kept going <laughs> into mm. chapter two. Um, the first few minutes of it, yeah. Yeah, and then in that way sort of dropped oh yeah the next few days at 8 p.m that's when delta in chapter two is going to drop have fun mm. which is a fascinating way i feel to <laughs> to just do that kind of announcement yeah yeah i thought that was very interesting and um one of the interesting things about so for the listener i don't know what the listener knows but the, toby fox is a music composer and developer of video games who is best known for developing undertale a video game that came out in i don't know 2015 maybe feels right and that video game was you know created almost entirely by him with help from a few other collaborators but it became an incredibly successful video game that often tops people's lists of the best video games of all time and he has since then created a follow-up game called Deltarune, which is the letters in Undertale rearranged, which is a pseudo-sequel, maybe, who knows? It's got mm -hmm. some kind of weird connection where many of the characters are the same, but anyhow. Um, and that is the game that we're referring to now. And one of the interesting things about Toby is that he never shows his face publicly, which is weird because I've met him. Whoa. So it's weird to me that like, yeah, I know what that guy looks like because I spoke to him once. Like I told him at Tapatacon the year that his game came out, Undertale, I happened to meet him there and I was like, oh, hey, I, um, I've only just started playing Undertale, but I really like what I played so far. And he was like, oh, hey, thanks. Yeah, you, you have an access <laughs> that very few... Very few um, Undertale fans do. Yeah, and that was that was the same day I actually met Andrew Hussey as well, <laughs> creator of Homestuck. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Also, you're, you're familiar with my strange connection to Undertale, correct? Yeah. Your <laughs> name is the first name in the Undertale credits that, like, uh, comes up. Yeah, I happen to have been the first person <laughs> to back Undertale on Kickstarter, so I'm the first name in the special, special thanks, which is something that I have decided to brag about. <laughs> the most special thing. It's the reason I have an IMDb page. <laughs> Yeah, I have an IMDb page with one credit, which is Undertale Special Thanks. I did not yeah. create this. I found it one day and I was like, wait, why? No, I, I haven't had um the chance to play entirely through Chapter 2 of Deltarune yet. I haven't even played it yet. I've watched like um a Twitch streamer start it for about an hour. But what I have done is the game itself is free, but you can buy the soundtrack. Mm -hmm. And so I have been listening a little bit to the soundtrack and also just like, the Undertale and um, Chapter One Deltarune soundtrack have just been like, 
I don't know, significant music in my life also because it like it's very good um, and I've like used it when I was, you know, writing some of my last essays um, to try and graduate from college. So it was like already kind of plays at emotional parts in the game and then I also go and make it <laughs> attached to sort of emotional parts in my life. So yeah, I feel like I'm sort of eager to play this game, but also eager, eager to like savor it for a bit and maybe wait. Mm. Yeah, well, whatever whatever you end up doing in terms of how long it takes to, for you to play it, uh, there's still more to come because it is the second chapter of a game that I guess will be seven chapters long. Yeah. So um, <laughs> who knows when the rest of it will come out. But Toby Fox has wisely made the choice to like bring on other people onto his team, which is good because A, that I'm sure like it's a lot of work to stress over, and B, I know he has had some issues with physical injury and disability that have made it more difficult for him to work on game development and music composition. So it is good for him to, you know, get get additional support for the project and hopefully also for himself from other people. Yeah, not not knowing a lot else about like how the game gets made, that is sort of good to hear kind of because all, all I know about video games is that they can be very, very like physically and mentally take a toll on a person and teams that make them. So that and anything to mitigate that is is good to hear. Yeah. Definitely. Have you played any of chapter two? Yes. So I have played through the main sequence of the game. There's an alternate route as well. I don't know if you've heard about that, but there's an alternate Uh route through the game, which I probably won't be playing. But uh, much like in the original Undertale, you can choose to make more violent choices in the game that will cause a different storyline to play out. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I don't know if I'll go back and do that. But as for the main storyline, and there's also a secret boss, which I did not manage to find because I was playing it through blind without using like a walkthrough or anything. So I didn't know what special things. I need to do. So I may go back and try to find that secret boss and see if I can manage to beat him. But I never managed to beat the secret boss in the first chapter of under of Deltarune because he was too hard for me because I am not a great gamer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. Same thing with uh, Sans, the big boss at the end of the um, more violent route of Undertale. I was not able to beat him and never will. <laughs> but I have watched someone do it on YouTube. Yeah. I think I may have talked about this video game before, but another video game um, that I've been really enjoying uh, lately is called uh, Chicory, which is um, like 2D, you play as, you're doing a lot of art and coloring kind of game, but it does also have like a lot to say, I think about creative burnout and hmm. also uh, is just, sort of can be on the level of like, hey, this is a fun kind of coloring game, but also has a little bit more to it if you want it to have and has a very good developed. I'm still kind of I've played um, according to Steam for 25 hours and I'm not I'm not done. (laughs) So has a bit of uh, heft to it as well. But one thing about Chicory, the game that is different from Undertale and Deltarune is that like um, the settings for how um, gentle boss fights are, at least what I have it automatically set to when you die, when you're hit and you die in the middle of a boss fight, you kind of like fade to white and then immediately fade back in and keep going exactly where you were in the boss fight as opposed to like having to replay and and focus a lot of time mm, yeah. on that boss fight um and and that's just been something that I kind of have 
have been enjoying because boss fights to to me for this game not something that i want to devote a lot of time to i want to be coloring and having a good time um and it's interesting to have that just option that is built in yeah it's it is it is interesting to see when developers implement they're often referred to as accessibility options or difficulty Mm -hmm. options but um there are all kinds of reasons why people might prefer to play the game in one way or another and it's nice to have that uh, ability to customize yeah. Anything else going on that we need to talk about? How about the pandemic? <laughs> How about that one? Yeah, that is very much still happening. I'm trying to remember the most pandemic-y stuff that has been happening to me. I, I've had a really difficult time, um, and I think I was not alone, um, being able to like get a COVID test mm. um, in the past few weeks uh, because I did visit my family for my birthday. Also, the way Jewish high holidays work is they kind of tend to cluster all around the same couple weeks in the fall. And so this year they were, it was like uh, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, my birthday, Sukkot. It was like sort of all bam, 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 (laughs) very close to each other. And in order to stay over at my sister's house, where they have three children who are under 12 and not able to be vaccinated, um, she had really wanted me to get a COVID test. And unfortunately, like I was not able to do that in time to be able to like her and her husband feel comfortable for me to stay over. Mm. It was a little frustrating. Um, I was still able to visit and then get a COVID test and, you know, like have a meal with them. But, you know, it's something I think about where it's like, oh, yeah, it would have been nice had I either been able to very easily get that and not have to redo my whole plans. Yeah. Or if we were <laughs> at a at a different place as a country in responding to the pandemic where it was it wasn't like that level of I don't know caution and fear having to still be like scrambling to get access to to covid testing. Yeah, yeah, that would yeah. One of the one of the things that just happened is that uh, booster shots are now available. Mm-hmm. My mother got her booster shot today, and my dad is getting his soon. So, and also, I just learned something I did not know that there is a difference between a booster shot and a third dose. Can you say more? <laughs> I've I've heard I've heard that there's a difference. I could not <laughs> I cannot tell you what it is. Booster to me sounds like no. They sound like the same thing to me, so I'm going to stop here <laughs> because, like, I've heard of, like, boosters for other vaccines that you get because they, like, fade in effectiveness over time. That's that's exactly right. A booster shot is apparently for uh, people who have been fully vaccinated but then need an additional shot to maintain that immunity or maybe even not need but are recommended to have an additional shot to maintain that immunity after it fades over time whereas the the notion of a third dose for certain immunocompromised people is based on the notion that well the first two doses just were never enough to begin with so it's not that like you were fully vaccinated and then now you just need to renew it it's more just like all right well we think that that people with immunocompromised conditions actually need three doses in order to be fully immunized, which I don't know if that's a a real practical difference in terms of like what gets stuck in someone's arm. Uh, I don't know if the booster shots are different from the third doses or if it's just like another dose of the same substance gets put into your arm. But in like a public health sense and an administrative sense and a like who needs it, who is allowed to get it kind of thing, they are apparently different. Yeah, I guess I'll probably go get a booster as soon as I can, but uh, I don't, um, I don't know. I feel feel like I, I, I have 
come back to the place where I have no assumptions about the future anymore. Like I, I've heard some people predicting like, ah, the winter's not going to be so bad, but I, I don't know if I believe that. Yeah. I kind of, I'm maybe circled back around to like maybe some of my early, like beginning of the pandemic 2020 sort of predictions, which were maybe negative <laughs> and it's sort of like would I rather be right or, or like think the most negative thing and then be surprised if it doesn't happen or just like you can do that and if you are not right then it's I don't know it's easier to kind of like catastrophize and then say haha I was right mm. then like if you catastrophize and even a little bit it's better than it's like, eh, oh well. Um, I don't know. It just kind of feels like a human tendency. Um, but I sort of feel that it's just going to be kind of like now just part of the next ongoing like five to ten years is going to be dealing with different waves of COVID and the pandemic and I'm not sure how things will be responding, but that that's that's now something that is just baked in and <laughs> it's going to affect every single person, even, you know, in, in ways that it already has. But like there was kind of a time, a window where it almost felt like, I don't know, a moral, a sign of maybe like, well, if you never do this, this, and this. Maybe there's a way to avoid this ever affecting you or the people you love. And I'm just, I, I don't think that's, if it ever was a realistic thing, it isn't for sure now. Because even on the level of, say, no one close to you ever does get COVID, we're at points again where, like, emergency rooms and the hospital system is really overwhelmed again. Yeah. So it's like, if you have any kind of like interaction where you need like surgery or you break a bone or you go to the emergency room, you, you're still being affected by COVID in that way in that like you may not be getting th things that would have been like low risk regular procedures a couple years ago before pandemic now just have more risk because of everyone is really overburdened and doing them. So it's like, yeah, that's something that just is part of factoring into life now. Mm. Yeah, you know, back in the first episode of this show, we were talking about how long we thought this would last and you said, you know, on the scale of 5 years. And I don't I don't know if I really made this clear at the time, but I thought you were way off. Like I thought <laughs> No, you're being ridiculous. <laughs> it's going to be a, like, I don't know, three or four months at most. But I was very wrong. And it it is um, it is definitely something that needs to be talked about in terms of years at this point because we're already there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't know. I feel like it's I feel like it's good practice to reflect on times when I got it wrong, mm -hmm. when I either catastrophized and things were not as bad as I thought they were going to be, or when I was a little too laid back and things were a lot worse than I thought they were going to be. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think that that is a good thing to be aware of because, I mean, there are some people who are always catastrophizing and things are never as bad as they seem. And it's, it's a good idea to, to be aware in both directions about how the human brain tends to, tends to do one thing or the other. I mean, part of it is not necessarily fully down to my own human brain. Part of it's down to the information that is and was available. But yeah, I am um, not 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 feeling great about 
about the long-term future of the pandemic. And, you know, we talked a few episodes ago about Galley, the Doctor Who convention, mm-hmm. Gallifrey One. Um, I am now wondering, I mean, they have made some announcements about the their plans for next year, next February, what, what they expect the convention to be like. And I'm now not sure if it makes sense for me to plan on going at all. Yeah. Um, which is a little sad. But, yeah. So I guess stay tuned for more on that because I'll probably make a decision at some point in the next few months. But, um yeah, I think uh, part part of it is that like I don't I don't want to be trapped in like a cycle of constantly thinking like oh am I going to be able to go am I not going to be able to go and then uh, being anxious about it until February whereas I could just decide now nope not doing that and then that would <laughs> remove the anxiety it would be a shame but it would also remove that anxiety yeah I'm sorry that like that that's something you have to think about make decisions on yeah oh well <laughs> it is what it is it's all it always is what it is and it never is anything else. Do we do we also want to mark um, in the historic record that um, they announced uh, Russell T Davies is going to be Doctor Who showrunner again, and also that it is twenty twenty one and not <laughs> I don't know when he was first show director, but <laughs> just mark that. Yeah, he was uh, two thousand five to to twenty ten. Yeah, listeners, it is not two thousand five. You <laughs> you have not been thrown back into a time time uh, tornado. It is twenty twenty one. A very long time ago. <laughs> it's. Kind of interesting. Yeah, I was in fifth grade. Yeah, he was in his 30s, and now he's in his 50s. Time. Weird, weird, weird. But um, I am, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see him come back because, to be perfectly honest, I haven't been as enthused about the show uh, in the past couple of years as I once was. And while his version of the show is not my favorite version, I think I kind of like Stephen Moffat's version a little better. But um, I still, like, absolutely adored the Russell T. Davies era, and I'm very curious to see what he's going to do with it. Yeah. Do we want to talk about action items? I think we can talk about action items. I wrote them down, I think. I wrote them down on a post-it note that is on my desk, and so I don't know if they're accurate, but I did write two action items down. Well, let's hear what you got. I wrote down, watch an AMV and say something you've never said before. Hmm. Okay, so I didn't have AMV. I just had fanvid. Fanvid. AMV, AMV usually means animated, right? Yeah. I'm terrible. I'm notor- notoriously terrible at, like, using those terms interchangeably oh okay uh but yeah watch a fan vid i i did that um i watched a doctor who fan vid pulse which is my favorite doctor who fan vid it's about the 12th doctor and clara nice did you watch one? Oh, i watched many um, <laughs> I <had a> feeling. <laughs> yeah um I, I i think sort of one of my like creative um things i'm able to focus on right now is uh, watching and trying to make uh, fan videos. So I, I've been watching many, many, many of them. The one I want to bring to people's attention is there is um, for the Untamed uh, Netflix adaptation of a Chinese novel. Yeah. Um, there is a, a Dai Young by Kesha um, <gasps> <laughs> video. It is so good. It is it is art. And I need um, to see this. <laughs> Yeah, like on the one level, I think it would work even if it was simply fun, bouncy song set to this, what can be, you know, a fun, bouncy show, but also has its moments of death and sadness. You know, just that contrast would be enough to make it a good video. But this editor also has like an understanding of like irony and how to edit to the beat. So that also just as a fan video, very good. It had, I think, under a thousand views, um, and it's it needs more. That's that's what I will say. Yeah, 
I will absolutely go see that. Um, that show has scenes in it that feel like fan videos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, literally, um, one of the early episodes when the main character, Wei Chan, is like injured in a cave. And uh, this is after confronting the tortoise of slaughter. Correct? After confronting the tortoise of slaughter, everyone's favorite CGI um, murder tortoise. He's, he's injured and asks um, his friend to like do a comforting song or something. Um, and, and literally the show, like <laughs> he closes his eyes and like gives us a music video of scenes of them together. Um, so yeah, it, it is already sort of like built for making good fan videos. Mm. If I didn't know about the show, The Untamed, then I would probably have assumed that the phrase tortoise of slaughter is something nobody's ever said. But um, it is something that has been said many times on that show and about that show. Yeah, I haven't, I didn't keep track. I, I haven't been listening to things I've said to Mark, whether they've ever been said before. So that'll, that'll still be out mm. for debate. I um, I haven't said them. I, re- I wrote some things down that I don't think anyone said and I was planning on saying them on the podcast. Um, do you mind? Oh, yes, <laughs> please. Um, educational mustache. <laughs> Mensa for dogs. Yes. Data bagel. Those are the things. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I don't think anyone's ever said data bagel. Yeah. I would pay money for data bagel. I don't know what it is. But. <laughs> I don't know. It sounds fresh and delicious. Mm. Sometimes like phrases will just occur to me and I will write them down in, in the notes app on my phone. And sometimes there are things like that. Oh, I have one. I have one. I have one. This is... <laughs> Every day on the bus, um, when I go home from work, there are billboards, and one of them is like a billboard for a anti-suicide hotline, mm. and it says something, but what I see every single day is, in all caps, Mothman? Sad? <laughs> that's what I see every single day, and I think that's what the billboard should say. And now it's been said. And now it's been said. <laughs> And I appreciate the opportunity to put that out there. Nice. Do you have an action item to propose? Um, I think I do. I, th- I think it's more sort of homework for myself, but mm. I'll, I'll make it an action item if other people want to do it too. Um, something I have been wanting to do recently and set aside like time in my schedule to do is pursue either like donating money or trying to become like a pen pal to someone who is in the prison system. So I guess my action item is to look up an organization that um, provides um, pen pals or help to people who are currently in the prison system. Cool. I um, I don't have an action item. I don't think that can be the only one. <laughs> okay. But that sounds good. Yeah. All right. Shall we? Shall we close things off then? Yes, as we do every single episode, and as I remember that we do every single episode, and as I'm not stalling for time, as I remember our sign offs, we are going to go the distance and stay distant. Usually we do the other way around, but <laughs> all right. Well, we got there. It all, it all got said, maybe in a way that has never been said before. But...